All right, everyone. Welcome back. It is Manga Monthly. We are up to episode number seven. Um, I'm your host, your librarian, Joe Pasculo. Thank you so very much for tuning in. If you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome. Everybody's welcome. Um, so what's going on? Well, we have the uh, summers in full swing. I know we are entering August, and that's kind of always summer's last breath. Hopefully, everybody has a nice month. Um, coronavirus still kind of beating us up here in the states unfortunately so some states are doing a little bit better than others i hope no matter where you guys are listening to this no matter if you're in the states or you're in another country you are safe you are healthy your family is okay um just take the proper precautions do the very best you can and try to enjoy the summer as best as possible i know things are not really ideal but you know that's kind of the way of the world i know I know when I first started this podcast, I didn't think I would be talking about this uh, every single intro. I, you know, that's just kind of the way it's gone. You know, no one really saw this coming and taking over as it has. I I kind of think sometimes about Japan and how, you know, they're kind of in the Reiwa era now. And it's not, it's maybe like a year old. And usually when these eras in Japan end, they kind of focus on the calamities that took place during the era. Like I know with the... Uh, the era that just ended, a lot of the uh, emphasis was on the power plant disaster. A lot of the uh, emphasis was on the earthquake that hit Kobe in the 90s. So unfortunately, I think the coronavirus is kind of going to be a big talking point of the Reiwa era. Kind of, you know, kind of sort of how those calamities I just mentioned were part of the uh the previous era the heisei period but uh nevertheless what are you gonna do things happen um we are here to talk about manga though and that universe and of course that universe unfortunately that has been ravaged by the uh, coronavirus 2 july saw us you know kind of go virtual with san diego comic-con that was a little sad that's always one of the biggest conventions in the country and it was virtual so you were able to sort of participate but you know it's not quite the same um, as of now, and I've said this before on the show, uh, New York is still planning to go ahead with Anime NYC and New York Comic Con. I don't know if those are just, you know, that's just for the time being and they're actually going to get canceled. We, we don't know. We'll find out. I'm sure um, if they're going to go virtual. We'll, we will see. I know I'm, I'm waiting on pins and needles for any kind of update, any kind of update at all. But all right. So you're here, Manga Monthly. We are going to book talk some of the manga that came out during the previous month. So if you guys are looking for something to read, perhaps a new series is, you know, going to come your way via one of these book talks. And as I was reading these books this month, I have to say there are some steamy titles in play here. Um, I don't know why, but I felt like that was just a little bit of a theme in some of these titles. I really, really felt that. And and you're going to see that in some of these book talks. That maybe they're for a little bit more mature readers. I don't know if the steaminess is just coming with the, the hot summer weather. I don't know why. But um, nevertheless, have a slew of book talks here for you today. And they're all, you know, a lot of... While there is a theme in some of them, there, there is also a lot of variety as well. So hopefully you will find something you enjoy in this episode. And again, I want to thank you for tuning in as always. So kind of you. Happy to have you. And yeah, if you guys want to reach out, check out the website, anchor.fm. And you can find my, uh, you can find my contact information there. So again, happy to have you here. 
Thank you for tuning in. As always, let's get to the book talks now. All right, so let's talk about our first title today. It is Bestia. It's a Yen Press title. Uh, the original story is by Makoto Sanda. The manga adaptation is by Miyako Asiwa. And the art is by Ako Arisaka. All right, so this title was announced at last year's Yen Press panel at Anime NYC. One of those titles that was also announced alongside of it was the manga adaptation of Shinichiro Watanabe's anime series, Carol and Tuesday. Now, I don't know if you guys have checked out that anime on Netflix, but I highly recommend it. It was a great story, great characters, great music. Music's a big part of that one. Uh, art looked great. That was one of my favorites from 2019 by far. And while that manga adaptation won't be arriving until November, we do have a ways to go on that one. Bestia is here, and that's a new title by Yen Press, so let's book talk it. Uh, so this manga takes place in London, where our protagonist, a guy named Honoka, was, had just arrived. He has these dreams, memories of an unknown girl, uh, as well as his mother, who vanished while she was living there. And he has flown there to try and figure out her whereabouts and figure out what these dreams and memories mean. One thing to know about Honoka is that he is zooophobic. And that means he has a major fear when it comes to animals, dogs in particular. So he meets up with some relatives in London, and one takes him to a villa, which is said to be haunted, where his mother was living prior to her disappearance. While exploring, Honoka falls through the floor, which leads to a fairy garden, where lots of magical creatures known as cryptids exist. Despite his fear of animals, Honoka does manage to get one of these creatures under control, who then turns into a female, and a scantily clad one at that for all the educators out there. A little bit of fan service. Like I said, there's going to be some steamy-ish titles in this particular uh, month's releases, for whatever reason. Eventually, Honoka also comes into contact with an organization called Zoo, which seeks to coexist with these fantastical beasts and keep them, you know, safe, uh, things like that. Zoo, though, they have no love loss for Honoka's mother, informing Honoka that she was a fiendish cryptid handler and that it would be in his best interest to help Zoo find and tame the 100 cryptids kept by his mother. Uh, so it's a little bit of fantasy. It's a little bit of a spy thriller. It is Bestia. Okay, so the next title pushes the envelope a little bit further. It's called Breasts Are My Favorite Things in the World. Yes, you heard that correct. Um, it's by Yen Press, and the story and art are by Wakame Kanbu. This one was a difficult one to book talk. Uh, trying to be as unbiased as possible here, but the title basically sums up what the book is about. You're not getting some sort of 20th century boys level of depth story-wise here. Uh, it's an etchy comedy title if there ever was one. And for those listening out there who may be educators and don't know all the terminology, etchy is basically a book that features its share of fan service and sexual behavior in a jokey manner. Uh, not porn, you know, they're just kind of clowning around. Uh, it's just intended to make the readers laugh. So yes, there is a lot of fan service in this one, which is probably the most obvious statement of the year by far when you look at that title but nonetheless it is about uh, a pair of female high schoolers Chiaki and Hana who go to different schools. Chiaki at her school is a star on her school's archery team and is also described as the school's heartthrob. However one thing she does lack is a large bust size and she has a pretty huge breast fetish. Seems to me like she's unable to live without them. Um, on the other hand her friend Hana is more quiet and reserved, but is also very well endowed. So Chiaki feels a lot of pressure to be perfect at her school, 
Uh, she wants to be the person who could do everything asked of her. And that's kind of how her classmates view her. And she states, if she doesn't get any, and I quote here, any healing booby time, she's useless and cannot function. So Hana is reluctant but loyal to her friend at the same time. So she allows Chiaki to squeeze her breasts whenever she asks, which is daily. Honestly, that's more or less the whole gist of the story. Each chapter is kind of like a play on that running gag. Um, it's two female friends. One has an unbearable desire to squeeze breasts, and the other supplies them for her. It's chapter after chapter, it's kind of the same thing. Um, is it going to blossom into a relationship in future volumes? Maybe. Um, check it out if you would like. It's called Breasts Are My Favorite Things in the World. Okay, so let's move to a more established title here. It's Ghost in the Shell, The Human Algorithm. It's a Kodansha Comics title. The story is by Junichi Fujisaku, and the art is by Yuki Yoshimoto. All right, so Ghost in the Shell. Odds are you've heard of it by now. Uh, the franchise was created by Masamune Shiro, the nom de plume for the mangaka Masanori Oda. He started the original Ghost in the Shell manga back in 1989, and from there it only exploded in popularity. Both anime and live-action film adaptations spawned from this manga, including the classic 1995 anime film, which was directed by Mamoru Oshii. And while it's not everyone's cup of tea here in America in 2017, we had a live-action adaptation where the main character of the franchise, Major Kusanagi, was, of course, played by Scarlett Johansson. We've had many Ghost in the Shell TV series, including the original Standing Alone complexes from the 2000s, which I really love. And even now... We have this new one on Netflix that just became available this year. It's a CGI animated series, Ghost in the Shell, SAC 2045. But let's talk a little about our latest obtainment in the Ghost in the Shell universe, and that is the human algorithm. So where exactly does it slot in? Well, we could unofficially refer to it as Ghost in the Shell 1.75, and that's because it takes place and fills in the time gaps between Ghost in the Shell 1.5, Human Error Processor, and Ghost in the Shell 2, Man-Machine Interface, which is like the, um, it, it takes place after the events of Human Algorithm. So it, it's kind of, it's kind of in between those two selections, and um, all the Ghost in the Shell comics are available here in the States, thanks to Kodansha. So it's likely you're going to need a little bit of prior knowledge of the Ghost in the Shell timeline to wholeheartedly follow the story. But they're, like I said, they're all available here. They're all very accessible, not hard to find. Um, so what is this one about? The human algorithm starts off with a city councilor named Miko Moto giving a pro-prosthetics speech. Uh, before long, however, she is attacked on stage by a pack of anti-prosthetic anti, uh, people. However, this attempt on her life proves unsuccessful when Section 9 member Togusa comes in and saves the day. During a Section 9 briefing about the incident, it's revealed that the attackers were ghost-hacked, or that their brains were hijacked, and a clue leads them to believe that a prosthetics manufacturer, Osaki Heavy Industries, could be behind this. On top of that, Section 9 also received a tip about illegally dumped prosthetic bodies in the Japanese region of Tohoku, including the shell of former Section 9 squad leader, Major Kusanagi, who has since left Section 9 and has vanished. So it will be up to Togusa, his fellow Section 9 member, Bato, and even new Section 9 recruit, Tsunagi, to figure out just what is going on and to get to the bottom of these coinciding mysteries. So that is Ghost in the Shell, The Human Algorithm. Moving right along, our next title, Restaurant to Another World. It's a Yen Press title. The story is by Junpei Unuzuka, and the art is by Takaki Kugatsu. 
Rush Run to Another World started off in the light novel format, released in Japan in 2013. Those are available here in the States as well, published by Seven Seas Entertainment. Uh, that was my first foray into the world of Restaurant to Another World. I checked out the light novels late last year. Um, the series also has an anime adaptation, so that aired for 12 episodes during the summer 2017 season, produced by the animation studio Silverlink, while Funimation handled the simuldub duties here stateside. And finally, we now have the manga adaptation published here by Yen Press. So no matter what medium you decide to check it out, uh, here is the narrative behind Restaurant to Another World. So it is a little slice of life-ish, where every chapter tells a different story, and they all surround the mysterious, uh, mysterious eatery, Western Restaurant Nicoya. Now, from Monday to Friday, Western Restaurant Nicoya operates as a normal eating house, but it's Saturday when things get different and a quote-unquote special service is served. On Saturdays, the door to the restaurant magically distorts the space-time continuum and allows patrons from other worlds to come and dine there. And with the chef super talented at his craft, all customers, regardless of what they order, always leave satisfied. So this is a story detailing the Nikoya's fantastical clientele, which includes treasure hunters, elves, you name it. And since this is the series opening volume, it does dedicate some time as to how Nikoya obtains its newest waitress, the homeless demon girl, Aletta. Definitely something food and fantasy fans will enjoy. It's Restaurant to Another World. Next title, Abe-kun's Got Me Now. It's a Kodansha Comics release. The story and art are by Aki Iwai. It's a debut work for this mangaka. Uh, the manga's license was just announced back in May, here in the coronavirus era, via announcement online by Kodansha. That same announcement also saw Kodansha reveal that they'd also licensed Hop Step Sing and Men's Life, Her Secret Life in the Boys' Dormitory. Those are two titles we covered in the last episode of Manga Monthly, so check them out if you have not already. But for now, let's get to the book talk for Abe-kun's Got Me Now. Um, so this one is setting up to be a bit of a love triangle story. We have our leading female, Akari. And Akari is a little bit on the scatterbrain side. She wakes up late, she forgets things, but she does have a really good male friend named Takuto to help her out when it comes to things like that. Uh, Takuto is described in the book's blurb as a sweet angel who is always sunny and happy to be of assistance. However, there was another guy in her school, the title character Abe. And Abe is a world-class athlete the star of the school's karate team who qualified for the boys' national karate championship tournament, and a guy who has a physique to die for. However, while Akari feels like Abe is all muscles and no brains, Takatu is actually a big fan of Abe's, to the point where Akari states he has a man crush on him. So anyway, uh, a mishap in gym class causes Abe to develop a huge crush on Akari, to the point where he will not take no for an answer. Uh, so there's a little bit of toxic masculinity in this book. Just want a warning. Kind of fits with our steamy title theme of this month. But anyway, uh, yeah. At the same time, Takuto asks Abe how he can be strong like he is. So he's able to protect Akari. So he gets involved with the karate team himself despite his lack of athleticism. And that's to Akari's chagrin. She likes Takato just as he is and does not want to see him turn into someone like Abe, who she views as very rough and rude. However, the more she watches Abe, the more she finds herself mesmerized by him. And though she tells herself she's going to keep her distance, she finds it's hard to do. She feels Abe has her wrapped around his finger. 
So Akari is going to have to decide what to do. Uh, is she going to give in to Abe and his frequent advances? Will Takato, who it's clear she likes more than Abe, ever proclaim anything resembling a confession of feelings to Akari? And even if he does, would Abe back down? So you're going to have to read it to find out. It's Abe Kun's Got Me Now. Next title, Peter Grill and the Philosopher's Time. It's a Seven Seas Entertainment title, and the story and art are by Daisuke Hiyama. This title's license was announced by Seven Seas back in November of last year. It is now available in a digital format, with its print counterpart coming out later in August. Uh, the manga started its run in Japan in July 2017 in the manga magazine Monthly Action, and it's possible that some of you out there are already aware of this title, since its anime adaptation just started this present summer 2020 season. And here in the States, Sentai Filmworks has picked up the licensing for it. It is currently streaming on High Dive. So let's talk a little bit about what Peter Grill and the Philosopher's Time is about. Uh, do want to forewarn everyone, this title has a disclaimer stating this series is rated adults only, graphic sexuality. And while it's not on the level of hentai, sex is a big theme in this book, especially in the way it's talked about in the dialogue. So just kind of know that going in again. A lot of titles just kind of pushing that envelope this month. I don't know why, but it just seemed when I was reading them, uh, they all kind of shared this pretty central theme. But um, nevertheless, the book starts off with the finals of the 213th Grand Fighting Tournament, a tournament designed to determine who Earth's strongest warriors are. And that competition does not just contain human participants. It also features members of other races too, such as elves and ogres. But the victor of that tournament does end up being the human, Peter Grill. He is crowned the strongest man on Earth. And as a result of Peter winning, there is a bit of unexpected aftermath he did not anticipate. A pair of ogre sisters, Mimi and Lisa, more or less throw themselves at Peter. Uh, they want him to inseminate them in order to produce strong descendants. It's a bit of overly forward thinking where they want to have super strong bloodlines in the future and ensure that their race boasts the world's strongest warrior in the future. Peter declines. He already is seeing another human named Luvelia, the daughter of his warrior's guild, uh, his warrior guild's chief, excuse me. And they're set to be betrothed. They're just waiting the guild chief's blessing. However, the ogre duo, Lisa and Mimi, do not relent, and in a moment of weakness, Peter does end up cheating on Luvelia and sleeps with the pair. Now, they decide to blackmail Peter, informing him that they'll keep this a secret, all right, but they will not give up on their quest for strong offspring until he impregnates them both. So, this is not something that's just going to go away easily for Peter Grill. He's really backed himself into a corner. Let's see what ends up happening to him. That is Peter Grill and the Philosopher's Time. Next title we're going to talk about, Syrup A Yuri Anthology, and it's released by Seven Seas Entertainment. The license for this anthology was announced in September of 2019. It is available currently in a digital format, with its print release coming out in August. This collection of short stories features more than 10 mangaka providing contributions, and at the book's end, they provide a couple sentences each about their experience participating in this compilation. Some of the names are definitely going to be familiar to manga readers. Uh, Milk Morinaga is in there, and she's known for her series Girlfriends. Kana Yoshimura is in on it, and she did a story and art for a series Yen Press put out there called, and I might butcher the pronunciation, but I think it's uh, Murcielago. I think it's a Spanish word, sorry. Uh, and also contributing is Naoko Kodama, whose title I Married My Best Friend to Shut My Parents Up was released here stateside last year by Seven Seas as well.
So Syrup Yuri Anthology was unique to me because in a lot of popular Yuri, like Citrus, Girlfriends, uh, Tropical Fish, Yearns for Snow, Bloomin' to You, they all feature a Yuri relationship that starts off in a high school setting. This collection of shorts uh, bucks that trend. This is a quote directly from 7C's press release announcing the license. Beyond the tales of high school girls in the first bloom of love, stories of grown women yearn to be told. The Syrup Collection focuses on women navigating love for other women amidst the ups and downs of a working life. And that is really the gist of this compilation. Uh, the women characters are all shown in different fields of work. There are office workers, there are teachers who work in the same school that fall for one another, a manager of a talent agency, etc., etc. So again, all older characters in this one definitely reads more Jose than it does Shoujo, especially during the panels and instances where sexual situations take place. Uh, and this one, again, does read a little mature than your typical popular Yuri title. It's more for older readers, I would say. So fans of Yuri, be sure to check this one out. It is unique. It's called Syrup A Yuri Anthology. All right. So once again, a little bit, a uh, little more mature title that we just talked about Syrup, but this one goes back to the high school setting. It's called Act Age and it's by, uh, it's released by Viz Media. The story is by Tatsuya Matsuki and the art is by Shiro Usazaki. This title has a bit of buzz surrounding it. Um, it placed third on Japan's Honya Club's Nationwide Bookstore Employees Recommended Comics of 2018 list. It also, also appearing on that list were uh, other titles we've covered here in the past. Uh, a Man and His Cat, A Condition Called Love. Act Age also was nominated for a Kodansha Manga Award in the Shonen category, though it lost out to the quintessential quintuplets. And finally, back in May, it was announced that Act Age will become a stage play in Japan. And that announcement came in an issue of Weekly Shonen Jump, and a countrywide remote audition will be held, and the show will premiere in 2022. All right, so the opening scene takes place at an annual new talent competition for actors. And one of the judges there is a director named Sumiji. Sumiji is a highly accomplished director, winning awards at many of the world's top film festivals, but he's still not really a household name since he does not prioritize the concept of fame. But anyway, he feels very underwhelmed by what he's seeing at this competition until, until he witnesses one teenage female actress in particular, the, talent, the talented Kei Yonagi. He, as well as another judge, who is the founder and CEO of the talent agency, realize that Kay is a total master when it comes to method acting. However, the other judge does reject Kay during the contest, and in another scene, she discloses, she discloses to Sumiji that the logic behind this is that acting would be too dangerous for Kay to do, and she'd end up destroying herself by constantly becoming another person to the letter with the advanced skill that Kay possesses. But Kay, in reality, though, while she is talented in acting, she does not have a glamorous life like a talented actor may have. She just works a normal part-time job as she cares for her two younger siblings. Um, that family's mother passed away and their father has abandoned them. So that leaves the elder Kay to be the family breadwinner, something we've seen in a few titles in 2020. Uh, nevertheless, the director Sumiji disagrees with his colleague's standpoint. And he has a dream project he wants to get off the ground and believes Kay is just the actress who can help him accomplish it. And thus begins the two's affiliation with one another in the cutthroat dog-eat-dog world of acting. And this title is called Act Age. Okay, next title we're going to talk about, Cells at Work Bacteria. It's a Kodansha Comics release. 
the original concept is by Akane Shimizu, and the story and art are by Haruyuki Yoshida. So again, this is a spin-off from the original Cells at Work serialization by Akane Shimizu. This spin-off, of course, is written with Shimizu's blessing. She does write a congratulatory passage on one of the opening pages of the book. Cells at Work, the original series, started out in 2015, and it's been serialized in Japan in Kodansha, uh, Kodansha's manga magazine, Monthly Shonen Series. The series has spawned an anime series that aired in the summer of 2018, Bacteria, which we're about to talk about. This is not the only spin-off of the original Cells at Work. There are a bunch that have stemmed from it, and just to rattle off a few of them, there's Cells That Don't Work, Cells That Work Code Black, and uh, Cells That Work Baby, in addition to Bacteria. One final note, one of those spin-offs, Cells That Work Code Black, that's going to receive an anime adaptation of its own. It's presently scheduled to air during the winter 2021 season, and is being produced by Leiden Films. Alright, so if you guys have never read a Cells at Work title in the past, they're best described as edutainment. They will teach you about the human body and what's happening inside of it through the use of imaginary uh, cellular characters that reside and work in there to keep the body alive and well. In this spin-off title, the focus is on the bacteria in the body. And it's established early that there are three types of bacteria, good bacteria, bad bacteria, and opportunistic bacteria. And they're all engulfed in a turf war with one another, trying to reign supreme inside their host body, which is a young girl. And like other Cells at Work titles of the past, each chapter represents a different situation the human body can go through, and it shows what's happening inside. So bad bacteria gets the upper hand when oily, fatty foods are consumed, and good bacteria reigns supreme when fiber and vegetables are the things being eaten. There's also opportunistic bacteria, and an example of that is E. coli, which has chapters dedicated to it as well. Um, the book primarily takes place in the intestines, so there are some gross chapters in this book, things like having gas, diarrhea, constipation. Those are all going to be covered, so just a fair warning to readers out there, that is Cells at Work Bacteria. On top of that, also released this month, Cells at Work Platelets, also from Kodansha Comics, and the story is by Yuko Kakihara, the art is by an artist named Yasu. So yes, so we had two Cells at Work spinoffs debut this past month here from Kodansha. If you saw the Cells at Work anime, you likely remember the platelet characters. They were depicted as cute children since they're smaller than your run-of-the-mill cell in the body. They were very popular. Arguably, they stole the show. So now they have their own spin-off manga too. And first serialized last year, so almost a year after the anime first aired, the manga came out in Japan. Um, before we get into what the book is about, it was announced recently that um, the Cells at Work theatrical anime, that's going to run with a short in, uh, with it that are just going to feature the platelets. So the platelets just popularity through the roof. They're going to have their own short in addition to the movie that's coming out in Japan. But to get back to the book itself, this is a straight, uh, this is a passage straight from it. The platelets are described as a component of blood that gather together to create a blood clot over a wound when our blood vessels become damagers. They may be small compared to ordinary cells, but they are consummate professionals when it comes to doing their job. So there is less edutainment in this one, as opposed to the other cells at work titles I've read. Um, other cell and bacteria characters, they do appear, but this manga, which is in a four panel layout, it shows the cells more in like cutesy situations rather than dealing with, you know, maladies that happen within the human body. So it's not quite the cells at work formula we've seen in the past, 
But if you were a fan of the platelets and you did find them adorable in other releases in the franchise, they're totally in the spotlight here, so you may enjoy this title. That is Cells at Work Platelets. Next title, When We Shout for Love. It's a Kodansha Comics title, and the story and art are by Yuka Kitagawa. It's a debut work for this mangaka. Uh, title has been serialized since 2018 in Japan in Kodansha's publication, Bisatsu Magazine. Uh, that's a shoujo-focused publication, with the titles obviously being targeted for teenage girls. So in this title, we have a teenage girl named Mayuko. Mayuko is very, very shy, and she acknowledges early she suffers from social anxiety ever since she was little, and as a result, she's never had a friend in her life. She really only feels safe and herself once she's back in the friendly confines of her own home and her bedroom, where she knows people can't see her, they can't judge her. Uh, she then kind of cocoons herself within her comforter and just veges out. But one thing Mayuko does like is the idol group KBF47. And she gets a package at home in the mail of their newest single. She's a big fan of this group. She really feels like she can relate to their song lyrics. And she does like to dance when no one else can see. But one day at school, she does take a chance and practices the song's choreography in a place where she thinks no one else can see her. But, alas, she is witnessed by one of her male classmates, Oba. Oba is a bit of a lone wolf character. He's not really close to anyone in particular. However, he reveals to Mayuko he too is a fan of KBF 47, which now gets her kind of curious about him. Um, the two end up attending an event at a record store together where they are harassed about their fandom by some nearby teenage bullies. Oba defends Mayuko and tells her to keep her head high, you know, despite what other people are saying. And she kind of seems to be on her way to making her first friend and maybe even a possible boyfriend. But she also knows in the back of her head this could cause her to draw attention to herself, and she knows she could end up feeling embarrassed and maybe want to remain withdrawn from others. So, will Mayuko be able to change and stop worrying what others think? This title is called When We Shout for Love. Okay, next title, Love on the Other Side, a Nagabe short story collection. It's a Seven Seas Entertainment title, and the story and art are by Nagabe. Alright, so you may recognize Nagabe's name. He is the creator behind the manga, The Girl from the Other Side. That title did see a, bear, a fair bit of success here in the States. Uh, it was a selection on the 2017 edition of the New York Public Library's Best Books for Teens list. One year after that, the manga was awarded a spot on the Great Graphic Novels for Teens list, and that's put together by the American Library Association's Young Adult Library Services Association. Last year, Nagabe had another short story collection come out under the Seven Seas Entertainment banner that was titled The Wise, Wise Beasts of the Wizarding Wisdoms. And now here we are in 2020, Love on the Other Side is now available to readers in both digital and physical format. So there are six short stories within this anthology, all different lengths, uh, last two maybe a little longer than the rest of them. And the central theme in these stories is love, as the title suggests, but not traditional love like you'd find in a high school shoujo romance title. Love here is demonstrated between young children and anthropomorphic animals monsters in this collection. And the stories all comprise of different storylines. There's an albino boy in one of them who lives with his neglectful malicious aunts and he finds solace and comfort with a rare white colored lion. Another story features a vampire mouse who literally lives in a coffin, and he finds happiness in dancing with a young girl after nightfall. And the message in all of these short stories is that love comes in many forms and that it's not a one-size-fits-all emotion. So definitely a cool story here. It's Love on the Other Side, a Nagabe short story collection. 
Okay, next title, and we've only got a few left. The Strongest Sage with the Weakest Crest. It is a Square Enix manga title. The story is by Shinko Soto, and the art is by Liverjam and Popo. Not sure if that's a duo or a singular pseudonym about the artist. Really couldn't find a whole ton of information on it, unfortunately. But nevertheless, this series was adapted from a light novel, like so many isekai preceding it were. There is a preview of that light novel in the back of the opening volume here. So at the time of this recording, I don't think that's been licensed by anybody. So uh, maybe that's something that's coming from Square Enix. We will see. Also at the time of this recording, The Strongest Sage with the Weakest Crests opening volume is the number one new release on Amazon's mystery manga list ahead of more established titles like Beastars and Promised Neverland. So take that as you will. But let's get into the book talk now. Uh, we're introduced at the beginning to a warrior described in this manner. A dragon destroyer of the three entire kingdoms has been hailed as the world's mightiest. Regardless, this warrior, named Matthias, wants even more than what he has already been bestowed. He's shown slaying a monster in 27.54 seconds, which he actually bemoans as being too slow. He has this desire to take on monsters not found on the planet, but found in outer space. But thanks to the magical crest Matthias was born with, it prevents him from getting any stronger than he already is. The only way to change the crest is by rebirth, which he ends up achieving. Matthias is reborn as a six-year-old boy, and lo and behold, on his very first try, he finds he's born with a magical crest that is more conducive when it comes to magical combat. But, like Matthias did in his former life, he still finds himself behind the eight ball. In his new six-year-old existence, he's actually very weak when it comes to using his magic. And his friends and family in his village don't believe he'll ever amount to anything at all. So it's going to be up to Matthias now to work very hard and prove everyone wrong if he wants to attain the status of world's mightiest and beyond with his new crest. This story is called The Strongest Sage with the Weakest Crest. Next title, Mujirushi, The Sign of Dreams. It's a Viz Media release and the story and art are by Naoki Urasawa. Where do we start with this man? Um, he just celebrated his 60th birthday earlier in the year. And he's definitely my favorite mangaka of all time, I think. Um, he's absolutely a pillar in the manga industry. He began his career in the 1980s with a serialization called Pineapple Army. Uh, he has created works that have achieved universal acclaim, including Monster, Pluto, which is a retelling of Osamu Tezuka's Astro Boy. And Tezuka, by the way, is someone who has been a great inspiration to Urasawa over his career. And also 20th Century Boys. And that's probably my favorite title um, I made sure when I got the uh, cover art for the podcast done that 20th Century Boys was, would be on one of the, the spines of the books. So if you look closely at the, uh, the books on my cover art, you'll find 20th Century Boys there, and that, that is by design. Um, but yeah, Naoki Arasawa, definitely one of the most decorated manga creators in history. Awards that he's garnered include two Eisner Awards for 20th Century Boys and the Best U.S. Edition of International Material Asia category. He's a three-time Shogakukan Manga Award winner. He's a Kodansha Manga Award winner. So he is the real deal, folks, if you haven't heard of him. Um, definitely one of the greatest of all time. And his new work is here now for us to read in English, thanks to Viz. So let's dive into Mujirushi, The Sign of Dreams. This is a one-shot story. It's 250 pages long. Um, in it, we have an adult male named Kamoda, who by and large is kind of a foolhardy character. Um, he's married with a younger daughter named Kasumi, but even still, he comes off as very immature and irresponsible. He comes up with this scheme to avoid 
paying his taxes and he ends up getting audited. He ends up in another sketchy business dealing that falls through. Komoda's wife ends up running off with another man. Komoda has tons of debt. So he's got multiple loan collectors calling and calling for him to pay money he owes or he's going to face legal consequences. No question about it. He is in dire straits. And one day he finds himself on a train platform with his daughter, Kasumi. And he's sort of thinking about jumping off the platform to his death when he sees a crow that catches his attention. It's holding a note that says Muji Rushi, uh, and that translates to Sign of Dreams. And this crow ends up leading Komodo and Kasumi to this creepy, rundown-looking old house. Inside this house is a strange man who is a francophile known as the director. He informs Komodo that the place he's in now is known as the La France Research Institute. So when he learns about Komodo's situation, he informs him that he has a scheme, this art forgery scheme up his sleeve involving the Louvre in France. And if the scheme is pulled off as the director believes it can be, it could be the answer to the major financial hole Komodo finds himself in. On the flip side, there is a Japanese detective poking around at the doings of the director and the uh, La France Research Institute. He suspects something is awry there and that maybe all of their doings have not been on the up and up. So is this scheme going to go down as planned? Will Komoda and Kasumi get busted? Will the director himself get busted? You are going to have to read it to find out. This title is called Muji Rushi, The Sign of Dreams. And the final book talk we're going to talk about today is My Dad's The Queen of All VTubers. It is a Kaiten Books release, and the story and art are by Wataru Akashingo. All right, so uh, congratulations to Kaiten Books, first of all. They are a friend of the show. Uh, they had a great interview in the last episode. If you guys haven't heard it, please check it out. Super insightful. Uh, so this is their third franchise to have a release. So that follows their prior releases in loner life in another world and shed that skin ryukasaki-san so again congratulations to our friends at kaiten books uh but like i said that interview was really insightful it taught us a lot about how licensing a manga gets done and it also taught us a lot about what it's like to be a translator and the unique thing about this book is that the translator's name andrew hodgson is on the cover and that was uh that was one of the gentlemen we sat down and spoke with during the last episode. So uh, it's very clear that Kaiten Books wants to give credit to the translators out there who are maybe a little underappreciated, and I fully support that. Translators are super important. So it's really great to see a translator's name uh, actually get added to the cover. So clear Kaiten Books is really, you know, they really care about the industry, care about their employees, and congratulations on their success. So let's book talk their latest release. My dad's the queen of all VTubers. And our main character in this book is an average high school kid named Takashi. And Takashi is a big fan of the VTuber, which is a virtual YouTuber, uh, Kizuke Yai. And that's probably a play on the real-life VTuber, uh, Kizuna Ai, who has like 4 million YouTube subscribers, super popular. Um, and that's kind of like this book's version of her. So anyway, he's a big fan of her, has a crush on her, a virtual crush. But... When he's around the house one day, he finds his dad all decked out in full motion capture device. And he, it's revealed that his dad is actually the uh, actor behind Kizuke Yai. So his virtual crush all this time has been his dad, um, who used to be 
someone who had an office job and then he ended up quitting the office job and now the sole source of income is this VTubing. So Takashi is just, his mind is absolutely blown. He goes to tell his mom what's going on and then he discovers his mom is also a VTuber. And she's un, she doesn't know that her husband is the popular Kizuki guy. Uh, his mom is a VTuber, but is nowhere near as popular as the VTuber queen. Uh, her subscriber count is really low. She eats a lot of crow on uh, online. She used to be an aspiring idol, but she had to give that up when she got married. So now... Takashi takes it upon himself to become his dad's apprentice and learn the ways of VTubing in order to help his mom's dream that she gave up and up her subscriber count. Uh, next thing you know, 3D, his real life crush is someone who has a crush on his dad's character. It's a totally crazy, crazy story. Definitely recommend checking out. Uh, there is an afterword at the end by the translator, Andrew Hodgson. And that is Kai Ten Book's My Dad's The Queen of All VTubers. And that is going to do it for our episode of Manga Monthly this month. So again, I um, want to thank you for tuning in. As always, really, really appreciate all the listeners out there. Hopefully, in this uh, in this climate, you're as safe as possible and you're enjoying the summer the best you're able to. I know it's been a total suboptimal year all around. So just do the very best you can to stay healthy. And in the meantime, continue to check out some of these manga. Hopefully something today piqued your fancy. And that's about all I've got to say. So again, really want to thank everybody for tuning in this month. We will see you next month when August is over. And that pretty much means summer is coming to an end soon. And that means back to school and um, hopefully back to work for me. I'm still kind of at home from the library. My library has not reopened yet, but just playing the waiting game, doing the best I can to uh, stay sane and enjoy the weather while it's here and read some cool manga to tell you guys about. So again, Thank you guys very much for tuning in, as always, and have a great and safe month. Thank you.